This is a Heart and Hand production. Friday edition of the Crow Power, whenever the fuck David puts this out this weekend. Uh, of course, joining me, Shane. David, hello, David. Hello, everyone. Hi. And uh, in, in my house with me today is my good friend Dan McMahon, professional guitarist, producer, and fucking whatever the hell else it is you do. I don't even know what the fuck hello. else you do. Hi, Dan. Yeah. Musical <laughs> expeditionary. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, basically, we're, we're, we're going to talk... Um, me, me and David kind of bounced this around to me and Dan at the bar late one night and said, why don't we talk about what the fuck musicians have been doing over the past uh, 18 months of hell and uh, uh, get an idea of like how the industry is recovering and then what what well, like what you've been doing sitting there. So fuck it, Dan. Yeah. You are a musician in this town of Rockford that I live in. What the fuck do you do? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, March 2020, I had about, in that month, I had about, 17 shows i think we had a tour booked and then just got canceled right you know the beginning of that and uh thus started what none of us knew would become a you know 15 or so month you know just complete you know just not knowing what's going on at all you yeah, know, yeah. in the world and or what was going to happen and uh, that's that's how me and david started doing the show yeah. again. <laughs> and, you know we it, yeah it just it was it, it's a roller coaster, man. I mean, the first probably couple of months was complete existential doom and gloom, <laughs> and just not, you know, just being like, what are we gonna do? And you know, it, it the I was locked in my house. I live alone, you know. Luckily, I have my my gear, my recording stuff, all there. So I was able to do a little bit of uh, you know work you know, doing some remote tracking um, for people, but there wasn't a ton of that going on. And to be perfectly honest, it wasn't a very motivating time. Well, well I think everybody felt lost. I mean, it's been, yeah. like you said, those first couple months, you all had to be sitting there like, what what the, I mean, just like me and David were like, what the fuck do we do? Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, I had a lot of people ask me like, oh, you must have had so much time. You, just, you know, you could have written a bunch of records or recorded whatever. And I was just like, man, I, that was, there was no inspiration for that at all at the beginning, you know, that, of that whole thing. It was a straight depression. And, uh, I, actually, David, he could have been on the show the whole time. This would have been the exact same fucking show. Yeah. He could have been on the show and he would have got loads of, of inspiration from our Bon Mots and clever <laughs> remarks and whatnot. I think the thing about, I think there was, I think there was an assumption um for musicians that right okay well you can go away and you can do soundtracks and stuff and that's great in theory but they're not making any films during covid they're not you know so every it feeds into every area doesn't it yeah every like everything came to a halt you know and like for me doing a lot of that recording work you know when no one can tour and no one's making money so then they can't pay for recordings and so the same with the film stopping everything you know just the whole entertainment industry as a whole just came to a grinding halt and well, I thought that one of the things me and you were talking about, like you, you, 
you were working with Rick a lot because you Rick Nielsen from uh, from right. Cheap Trick because you yep. knew he would fucking pay his bills. Like yeah. you know, it's it's scary going into work with people at this time because like you said, nobody's making any fucking money. Right. So yeah, I mean Rick Rick was the guy that kept helped kept me afloat doing session work because normally he would you know be in Nashville or L.A. but he couldn't travel anywhere either. But they had stuff to get done, so he was in just recording with me and we you know we would just hang out. You know, sit apart from each other. He'd record his guitar tracks. I, you know, or play them. I'd record them and just send them over the internet. See you later. <laughs> so, you know that that was that was cool and that worked out. And so that, know, that, that that was why I felt good, David, because like here was a man doing a real professional audio thing, and they were doing the same shit that we were, which was sitting at a computer sending stuff over the fucking internet the yeah. whole goddamn time. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Can you imagine if COVID had hit 15 years ago? You know, oh. something this bad, but it would have we would have been fucked because the the ability to communicate and to, to get things done. And it's one of the weird things like podcasts and, and listening to music, you know, and, and streaming and whatnot all went up sales of, of vinyl and stuff. But of course, that that's stuff that's already recorded. And for bands who make their money from doing shows and getting out on the road, um, it was quite scary. And bands I really like during this, I kind of made an effort to and they would ask their communities and I, I, I'm sure there's something I'll, I'll touch on that they would ask their communities to could you buy a t-shirt you know could yeah. you could you do go to this pay for this stream of us recording acoustically because the there was no income it just that you know and, and these guys are self-employed well yeah. I know like you guys did a show wasn't it in Peoria so sometime in the middle of this where it was like the, the it was a as live Dad and Blue, was Blue yeah. at the Castle yeah. Theater. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of venues, that's how they were pivoting, was you know hosting uh, live streaming shows. So you'd set up in the empty venue, they'd have four or five camera people, all spaced out around, and get the streaming thing going, and people could watch from home. And it was really weird because you're just performing for nobody. You know, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it I, it I feels was, like a practice, gonna... but you got to give it the energy like it's a show because there are people watching, but they're not was, there, and no one claps at the end. You. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, Dan. What's it like when you don't have the the crowd to feed off? Because that's such a huge part of a live show. You're 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 absolutely correct. Um, it's it's bizarre. I mean, it felt good to play. It felt good to hear yourself in a big room, but yeah, there's no crowd to feed off of, so it just kind of feels like a like a dress like rehearsal. A yeah, basically, yeah, you know, yeah, fancy practice. Yeah, <laughs> just a, just a fancy practice. Then you get done, you. With the song and there's like you know one camera guy claps in the back and you want to mm. tell him to shut up kind of like, like just don't do anything. Like, you know, just, I, so, I paid for a yeah, yeah I paid for a stream of a whole steady gig and Shane oh. in terms of perfect weekends uh, it was the weekend we won the league. Yeah. Uh, well usually the the whole steady they do now they they've kind of changed the way they tour they instead of going on a tour what they found understand they said our audience now are you know 20 years older than when we first started so they have kids and you know tuesday night isn't maybe the best night for them to go out and rock out so what they do is they go to cities that are easily gettable you know london new york i think melbourne toronto um, and they'll do Denver's, like denver the one that you're denver, over yeah, they, they, yeah yeah they, and yep. they'll do like four shows over the weekend and you can plan and have a weekend away and you can rock out a little bit but 
this was one that normally they would have been in London um, and I would have gone to it, but they couldn't. So they did it from uh, Brooklyn. And they uh, it, at first I was a little bit like, well, what did I do? And then I just decided, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to shut the curtains. I'm going to turn the lights <laughs> off. I'm going to turn it up as loud as it will go. And I'm going to dance around the room like a fucking idiot and just try and get into it as best I could. Well, that, that was, I mean, his show in Bloomington, we, we were over at uh, our, our buddy uh, Dave's house watching it over there, like five or six of us, just same shit. Just how loud can we get it? How much beer can we drink while this show's yeah. going on? Like, yeah. <laughs> let's just do this. Excitingly, though, Danny was telling me that you are back on the road. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, how, how to go? Because you're on the East Coast these past whatever. Yeah, like, we, were, we were out on the East Coast, uh, you know, the states, and a little bit down south, um, like down Nashville, and it, you know, it was like it was almost like just unpause, you know, like all of a sudden in June hit, everything opened up pretty much here in the states, and it was like go time. We had a bunch of shows, and a bunch of people showed up, and. It was just kind of like it used to be. It, it it wasn't it wasn't a whole much different. Like than it, than it was. I was telling Shane the only thing was like a lot of venues and places just didn't have their act together. You know they're like oh man you know like can't find that mic cable can't find that <laughs> that thing because like we haven't had this is the first show we've had in 15 months. You know like there's like half full beers on the stage from that 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 fateful last show before the pandemic and. 
Yeah, so, I, I remember like going back in to open the bars back up last summer, and it was just like every everything was frozen in place for March fifteenth. Like that that was it. And I still, you know, like you said, go go make it because the venues are the last things to open up. I mean, a lot of the bars have been open, the restaurants have been open yeah. back up, everything else, but the venues are really the last thing. So like it, mm. I mean, they're still mothballed. I mean, I, I was like coast to coast, yeah. they're still like. You know, and we've lost. I mean, what the fucking metro shut down? Like the metro's right. gone. Like we've lost one some of the great showrooms in this country over this past, you know, fifteen months now. However fucking long. It's been. <laughs> yeah, and and some venues have just closed altogether. You know, just. I saw it. You, know, you know, some. What was the one? The one in L.A. just shut down. Um, this past week or what? What it was the. The Troubadour or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Troubadour Theater. Yeah, yeah, one yeah. Of the, one of them just – or the boot, I think it was the Bootleg Theater in L.A. Okay. But anyway, it's it like, you know, there's just nothing they could do. Like, well, why, I, how I do you think, sustain I mean, that kind of cost of living and with no money for 15 months? And, no. I mean, well, I mean the, like, how, 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 long, you know, how long have you been doing this now? I mean uh, – 20 this years is, this year. Oh, Jesus Christ. Full time. God, we're all old. David, we're, we're old. We're old. <laughs> no, we're, we're, we are old. You know, you know, you're old when classic rock is stuff you're listening to currently <laughs> and thinking that you're cool. Well, I, I remember when Ten started coming on the classic rock rotation. And I was like, <laughs> "Fuck me!" <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, you, you got there's gonna be rooms that you've played multiple times that like just aren't gonna be there anymore the next time you go through yeah, that town. It's you know? it's really sad. Um, that's that's for sure the case. And... Well, so I mean, okay, so Dan Dan plays with uh Miles Nielsen, uh, and Miles Nielsen's is Miles Nielsen's is Miles Nielsen's band. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you see? Yes, Miles Nielsen and the Rusted Hearts. Uh, of course, he's the uh, the lead guitarist in that. Uh, well, I think I mean Miles tries to be every once in a while, but yeah. uh, you know, we have he, our we have our guitar yeah, battles. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, he, he also plays with uh, Bunny Carlos, the the uh, uh, drummer, the original drummer from Cheap Trick. Now it's Dax Nielsen, the other Nielsen child. Uh, but Bunny plays down here at the, a great bar. I would say probably our favorite fucking yeah. bar in town, Mary's Place, the oldest bar in town, on uh, Monday nights when things are actually happening. But like, I know, like, uh, from people I've talked to, like, Bunny's hesitant to still get back out and really do anything from what I've I mean, he's yeah, he's just kind of turned the corner on it. Yeah. Um, I believe that we're going to be doing our first show back in Mary's at the end of July. OK, so and um, we're is probably, that, that should be set is up. Is that an age thing? Is he worried? Is that an age thing? Is he yeah, I mean, he, just, yeah. he wanted to he wanted to make sure he got vaccinated and his wife got vaccinated. You know, he's 70. That, that's fair. Oh, well, that's, you know, and now that now it's all taken care of, you know, everyone in our band's been vaccinated. And so we're just just like ready to go for it he's ready to go for it now so for a long time it was hesitant and now i think he's itching to just go do something else (laughs) i think that that's something that's quite striking for people um who consider themselves music fans and i certainly would you know um but when we go to the u.s and go to the major cities is in terms of a live music scene it's a lot more thriving and by that what i mean is people in in the uk will go and see bands they will go and see acts but they won't just go to a bar and expect to have music on and when i whenever i go to the states i'm always amazed firstly at the quality of it 
because you know some of the guys that are playing are extraordinary and then you remember it's a really fucking big place and there are 380 <laughs> million of you so maybe yeah, that's yeah, yeah, something to do with it. yeah and <laughs> that that was kind of something that you know when you were talking there i was thinking about okay you've got the you know the the acts the musicians the touring guys uh and that that's one thing but there are going to be a lot of gigging working musicians who you know play maybe four or five cities on a loop every week that just got that completely taken away yeah well yeah i mean like you know people like pistol pete like who's a, a great local guitarist a very rounding a nice guy but like what the fuck has he been doing because he's not like he's not like you you, you know Dan also, he has a studio, uh, the Midwest Sound, which you you own outright and cooperate, right? Yeah. So, you know, here in town. So, obviously, like he said, he was doing work over the course of this. But, like, what, what does someone like Pete do uh, over these past fucking 15 months? Because his whole life is playing gigs. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Exactly. I don't know. It's, I mean, just, you didn't do anything, you know, but, you know, in terms of. Music, you know, I you know how how anyone made money or pulled that off is a whole separate thing. Um, uh, fortunately for myself and the guys in my band, we were able to get on that unemployment program for port for a portion of the year, and uh, that really saved the day. That stopped me from having to go find some essential job at Amazon or yeah. or something. Mm. So that that kept me afloat. I can honestly say that the government took care of me in that regard. Well, to be fair, we paid taxes for a long yeah, time. Yeah, so. exactly. Well, it's like, you know, they, That's it. they, they, got, they got it together and yep. made it happen, you know. Yep. Yeah, you're yeah, in, I mean, as entitled as the next guy you can be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you mentioned something earlier that I found really, really interesting, which is about this idea of inspiration and, and when it comes. And I'm always fascinated as somebody who's been in bands but was never the talented one. And expected other people to to bring the music. Uh, David, I've it. seen you shake a tambourine. It's all right, man. But, <laughs> yeah, and I'm the, I'm the whitest human being in the world when I shake a tambourine. I am. I mean, you know, it's, uh, that's not that's not for me. Um, but I I'm always. Can you do the thing where you just say, right, I'm going to write like it's work. I'm going to sit down and nine till five today. I'm going to write, and what comes out comes out. Or is it more a case of almost waiting for to be about about kind of you know well, wanky here is it the muse hits you well for me i do believe i do believe that there's an aspect of discipline which is the sit down from nine to five and write. but that's never really been my style like that's not how i've gotten there and you know i i suppose with some of the film scoring stuff that's how i've gotten there because i've had to sit down and write yeah because you know, there's deadlines and like some i have to turn something in a lot of my work is I'm just in the band. So, like, we get together and we write songs and we record them, we work on it, and it's kind of a group effort, and it happens when it happens. And then we do lots of tour dates. And So the thing is for me is that I just I didn't find much inspiration during all that downtime. When I had time to sit down and be disciplined and, and write, it just didn't work. I tried to do it. I couldn't find it. And what's funny about it, I had some moments where there were some things, but nothing – you know, nothing really by myself was great. And it's funny is that, so this last two weeks, I just got home yesterday, gone for two weeks, and the one day off we had, um, I spent it in the hotel room and wrote almost like a fully thought out <laughs> song. And it was the first time 
it just came out, and it was because, like, for me, the inspiration is being in the game. It's like well, me it's in the group. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm like, like, so my first two weeks out in the road, I'm all of a sudden inspired, and songs are just popping into my head. Yeah. And I'm like back at it, and I feel good about it. And it's that that to me is what's rewarding is like being in being in the music makes me inspired to write and be music. I mean, do, do you find something like you know, like we were talking about with Rick earlier, that Rick could just turn a fucking key in the middle of all this shit, the whole world shut down. Rick could just fucking turn a key and record some shit and get it fucking done and like you know and like you said like that was yeah. hard for you because you couldn't find that like you 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 kind of lost yourself in production work over this time as opposed to actual music right but seeing someone like rick just be able to come in and just be like fuck it i'm gonna do this because uh yeah. yep here we go yeah yeah he yeah i don't know sure you know for like a lot of him his stuff that i did with him over the pandemic it was mostly guitar solos it mostly like what like, you're saying, like with Hanson? Yeah, and like Hanson, you know, like, <laughs> hey, we want you to play guitar in the song. You know, like Ace Freely wants you to play guitar in the song. Like, <laughs> these different people just want him as a guest musician because it's cool and he's willing to do it. So a lot of it was just doing solos. I didn't really do any work with him where he was um, he was writing, you know, anything new for Cheap Trick or otherwise during the pandemic. But he had work doing that, which meant I had work. So that, which was which was which was great, but you know I don't know. Yeah, um, I'm a I'm a big but, fan of uh, Connor Oberst and Bright Eyes and that sort of thing, and I would say about eighty percent of his songs are about life on the road. So I think you know it, it it's quite a common thing for for musicians to need that to need yeah. to be out there interacting with people. Right. At the beginning of the pandemic, it almost was like, why even bother? Like, what mm. what am I gonna do with this? Like, I can't go tour and sell it can't you know just and that that's not the right attitude but that was how i was feeling you know at at first and you know that came around but it you know but you're right i mean i love connor obers too and i respect him more than a lot of people in the music business honestly he's built quite quite an (laughs) empire for himself you know and done it on his terms but you know i uh I'm just glad it's over with, David. I'll tell you that much. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah. the biggest thing, you know. It's I, I look uh, back on the last year and I'm like, what in the hell was that? Like, you know, like what the fuck, man. Like it seems like a time warp now. People aren't gonna believe it. See when see when we come to talk about this in ten years, you're gonna find a mask in your jacket and go, Fuck yeah, remember that. Yeah. Um and it's gonna seem like the weirdest, wildest time in the whole world. And I really don't want though. Shane and I have joked about this. What I'm not looking forward to is you just know that every single punk band in the world and every town has one has written a song called Lockdown. Yeah. Uh, so not, gonna, not to be confused with the classes lockdown, but yeah. yes. Not to be confused with that. Maybe they were just ahead of the game and we're going to get this. But no, uh, it's, I, I it, think Vic usually was ahead of the game, to be fair. So. Uh, well, yeah, on a lot of things. But one of the things I, I wanted to ask you about, Dan, was you, you obviously do a lot of soundtracks. And that, that intrigues me because do you write to the. Do you need to see the. the the film or the, the you know the the series or will they ask you without seeing it look this is the mood that we want this is like the vibe that we want yeah basically. you know it, it comes it, it, both that's uh, you know right. both because you know like doing the film that the the film that won the academy award you know there was that was just quite the process because they wouldn't have edit done or anything. So they'd give like a like a general mood. Maybe they'd give me some specific tracks where it's kind of got to be like this, you know. Right. And you're like a certain style, you know. And like it's this, we need something that's like upbeat driving, 
but because but we haven't edited the scene yet. And so like I would just come up with something and or two or three ideas, and then maybe they'd like one, but then the edit would get done, and then I would then they'd put the the music to it, and they'd be like, yeah, it's cool, but then you know, and, and as editing film goes, like for the storyline later, like you know maybe a month later they'd be like, oh crap, we got to change that edit of what we already thought was good because of how it's interplaying with the story. Ah, and so right. then all of a sudden the music doesn't work. So then they'll end up, but then they're like, but that piece worked in this other new edit for this totally different <laughs> scene. And you're like, okay. So, so, so sometimes there was, there was points where it was very specific. Like I had a scene and we really needed to nail like an emotional, like situation and yeah we'd get it in locked but there's a lot of stuff where i'm just cranking out music and there it's getting moved around for all kinds of different places and things and you know i have as much music that was on the scrap well that's the floor, what I, I the on the cutting floor, that, floor. Yeah. that that yeah. didn't make it in the movie you know and yeah. so there's... i mean do, do you ever pick that shit back up and then like try to squeeze it into some of the rusted hearts or fucking yeah for sure we i mean we did that we included some of it on some albums we've you know, a lot of it is like I'll use to try and just license, you know, and get, yeah. you know, just pitch it for. I guess it like it ends up in Ozark in like the background. Yeah, or like exactly. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it, there's been a number of those things I've been able to use that for is the, you know, different people I know that work in commercial. Well, I, I guess like industry. I think that's one of the hard things, you know, because we we had a listener here just to get to our first question. You want to know like. What are some of the biggest misconceptions about being a musician? I think one of the hard things people have or just don't get. I mean, it's the same with me as a journalist. Same with you. Like, you have to sell everything or else you don't live. Right. Right. I mean, you have to. And David doing the fucking show. I mean, if you weren't, you know, I mean, you got to sell every fucking thing that you do, because if not, how the fuck do you pay the bills? Yeah. Yeah. You just have to hustle and find every opportunity for a revenue stream that you can with yep. with the skills that you have, you know. For me, it's like doing doing audio engineering, like I do a lot of stuff that's not even musical. You know, I did some work for the for the Rockford Blood Bank because they had to re-record their like their initial like screening for if you're going to donate blood for the Spanish version. You know, so they send in some translator to my, or some. Donde asa el blood banco. Yeah. And they had to sit and just do all these pre-screening questions for donating blood, but you know, I can record audio, you know, so, you know, well, and so it's like, I do that. And it's like not even musical, but it uses, you know, all the tools that Music I use mainly do. Yeah. Before, so, yeah, but yeah, stuff like that, that people just don't even know about. You know, I'm not sitting being like, hey, look at me. I did this today. Sweet project. You know, like, no, just do it. Get the check. Go. Well, I guess that's it, too. Like, you know, because obviously everybody thinks like the, the, the rock star lifestyle on the road. But the reality is it's it's moving from one hotel room to the next, packing your shit up, fucking going down the road, yeah. playing the next day, playing the next fucking night, maybe getting one day off. Right. In three yeah. or four weeks. Like, it's it's not it's not what people see in the, yeah. in the fucking movies. Right. Yeah. No, it's. I mean, that time does exist, but it's only, like, about two and a half hours of the day. You know, just, like, you know, the show and then the time right after the show where everyone's pumped and, like, yeah, that was awesome. You're the greatest. And you're, like, okay, cool. <laughs> and it's, like, okay, well, now I'm going to pack the shit up and drive six hours. And then you just, you know, uh, there's very few bands that I think are on the full level where it's easy, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. You're an ACDC or something, you know, you're <laughs> 
to play the show and that's it. Yeah. You know? And like everything you're everyone's playing <laughs> your ass the whole time, you know. The whole, uh, Chuck yeah. I, I come with a toothbrush yeah. and my guitar and yeah. play the show and you give me a check right. and I go home. That's but <laughs> you know I remember, sorry. Sorry, oh, we're at we're at, you know, our band, the bands that I play in, we're just at the working class level and that's fine, you know. I don't I don't mind it. It's better than pushing papers or oh, yeah. or just you know, being, you know, any other job. Like I, I like that hustle. I like driving around. I like waking up in a different city every day. I kinda like the chaos of it. I kinda that was the biggest thing I think I realized that killed me during COVID is that I need that chaos of being on the road and being going. You know, having all the time off, I don't know what to do with myself. Like I can't manage my time well like that. I need <laughs> I need a schedule. I need a like routine. I need to be like, hey, this is where we gotta be, this is what we're going. My routine needs yeah. to be the insanity. My routine, I can't make my routine by myself sitting in a house for 15 months and be productive. It's just, I, I for 20 years, I've done the, I've never had to do that. When did you decide to start the studio? I guess. I mean, like, I mean, what, what was the because obviously at that point you've been a working musician for a number of years, and then just it was it was it was the um the film it was it was actually the yeah. So the, was, the, the film we're talking about, Undefeated, which won the uh, Academy Award for Best Documentary in uh, was it two two thousand nine ten? Yeah. Sometime around there. Two thousand twelve. That gave plus ago. Okay. Was when it actually. Oh yeah, when it actually came out. Yeah. 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 Um, but we had been working on it for two and a half years prior. Right. Well, that was that's so, Dan, right? Dan, yeah, Lindsay, Dan Lindsay. Yeah. Dan Lindsay, yeah. Lindsay yeah. T.J. Martin. Yep. But so I mean that that was it. That was what prompted you to. Yeah, you know it just. You know, the thing is, is I was working, so I did almost all the music for that up in Milwaukee, okay. and I was working at a recording studio up there, and pretty much when I wasn't on the road, I was working at this recording studio, like, Monday through Thursday, just engineering record albums, you know, and they were busy, and just... So the guy who owned that studio, right around the same time as that film kind of was picking up steam and going, decided to close his studio and, and become just a mastering studio. He didn't want to make albums anymore, or do any of that, you know, kind of stuff. He just got into mastering. So um, 
I, you know, so that was why I was like, he was like, dude, I'll sell you this gear really cheap. So basically, I took all the equipment and moved it to Rockford, and <laughs> you know, and, and all the clients too, man, because it's like he was like, I don't need, you know, I was working with a lot of the same people, and I just got him to come to Rockford instead of Milwaukee. Yeah. And yeah. so yeah, so that was it. It was kind of it was kind of that, you know. But at the same time, my my time, I was getting more work because of the film thing, and I needed a place to record. And, so yeah, that was kind of why it all came up. It was basically the closing of that studio and the success of that film. And um, so that that was just it. Now I, so I mean, somehow it's still going. Is that is that so, you know? Because obviously with Miles and like being in with Vaughn and Rick and all the fucking guys from Trek, yeah. like, do you think? I mean, did that make it easier to make that fucking decision for yourself, knowing that hey, I can call these guys, I can get fucking work in here. Well, I knew I was gonna have their work, yeah. and and I knew. Yeah, I just, just, you know, the connections I had, I was like, this is just what I need to do. Like, this is, this is working, and it's, you know, so let's, let's keep it going, you know. And now it's, you know, it's still working, and having the studio spot, that's also like kind of the headquarters for, you know, our band. Like we, you know, store all our, our vehicle there, all our you, merchandise. You keep Dave in the closet. Yeah, in the back. Back. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Is that a gag ball in the basement? Oh. I think it's a dream though, isn't it? Like for any musician is to have your own studio where you can go in and you can, you know, just work and do it. I mean, like the Beatles albums would never have came about if EMI hadn't owned Abbey Road because they could just go in anytime they wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And and screw about. Whereas for most bands, I don't think people understand how, maybe if you've not ever recorded anything, how expensive it is. Like when you go in there, it's, you can't sit about unless you're, you know, like fucking Fleetwood Mac. You've got to go in and just, right, <laughs> we need to get this done inside three days because right. they charge by the hour. So to have your own place must be really special. It really is. You know, and I, I definitely don't take that for granted. It's, it, you know, it's I got to work to, you know, pay for it, you know, and it is. Yeah. But, you know, but the, but the thing is, I'm not paying hourly. I can do whatever I want, you know, all the time. And. So it's nice, you know. I got everything set up. I mean, I got a drum set always set up there, and I and I can make noise twenty four seven there. I'm out in the middle of the country yeah. and about like nine acres with no neighbors. Yeah. So it's <laughs> like, you know, I can be go play drums at three in the morning drunk if I want, and <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like no one's gonna know. You know, so it's well i guess like with that you know like dave's talking about the, do you ever look at something you know I, my fucking affection for everything jimmy page has ever touched except for young women um, yeah yeah except for that part but you know for him to front the 30 grand to go in with this complete idea for that first album with the band that he picked and built specifically to make this fucking perfect machine yeah. and know i have thirty thousand dollars worth of recording time I think they gave him what it was like 27 hours. They had to put that whole fucking album together without the mastering. Like to see something like that, how, how do you, like you as a working, how, how do you process somebody being able to fucking do that? You just got to have faith in your vision, I guess. And especially yeah. at that time when they did that, I mean, nowadays you can have a little more relief just even with pro tools and with, Hey, you know, no matter what we can, you know, fudge this or fix that, or you know, yeah, as opposed to a 16 track. Fucking, yeah, I mean, uh, the fact they had to do that all even. tape, you know, yeah. and and execute it perfectly. There's no, there's no tuning or gritting or fixing any, you know, like it, and I mean, he had to have just he clearly had the vision and knew exactly what he's gonna fucking do, and yeah. did it. He had the right people, the right 
Yeah. Right, fucking the rest back. is history, you know. I mean, it's so, so see, we, we, see so, from a producer's point of view, what would you say are albums where you look at the production or listen to the production, I suppose, and say absolutely nailed that? Uh, maybe not. You might not even be a fan of the music, but you just think from a produ- you know, when I've got my producers here, and this is exactly how that record should sound. There's a lot of albums that I've that fall into that category. I mean, I'm a pretty open-minded guy when it comes to music stuff. For having done or doing like engineering, you know, I don't, I don't have the guy that only records bands that I like. You know, I record <laughs> bands that want to pay. So sometimes <laughs> that's pop country. Sometimes that's hip hop. Sometimes it's like, and it's just made me appreciate all those kinds of music in some fashion. You yeah. know, it's not what I put on in my free time to listen to necessarily, but I can. Sit back and well, so, so what, what the fuck are you listening to? I mean, obviously, the, so the whole group has this massive affection for Tom Petty, obviously. Oh, understandably. <laughs> but, but who doesn't? Yeah, yes. Yeah. But I mean, like, what, what the, like, right now, you know, you just got done with this fucking, your, your little mini tour, effectively, this little two-week fucking spin around the East Coast and everything. And now, like, what, what the fuck do you, you come home, you got to throw something on. Like, you're fucking bored. You're sitting around. You're waiting to come over here to record this bullshit. Like, what the fuck are you listening to? Um... Man, let's see. I got, I just got a vinyl in the mail. I listen to, try and listen to as much vinyl as possible at home. It keeps me a little more entwined in what I'm listening to, having to flip a record and whatnot. But um, I don't know. I re- like, uh, got, I just got an album from a friend of mine named Richard Edwards, who was the front man for a band called Margo the Nuclear So and So's from Indianapolis. And good name like that. Yeah, yep. exactly. You know, they've been broken up for a while, but he's an incredible songwriter. And um, and so I he had a new a new release come out recently that I enjoy quite a bit. Um, I got a I got a I got a remaster actually of one of the first albums I ever first times I was ever in a recording studio and did any work that I did some background vocals and tambourine and helped engineer this album. <laughs> David, he he did your job. Yeah, and I was twenty. <laughs> Yeah, and, it's a hot job. And this album came out, you know, and was recorded when I was, I think, 20 years old. Came out maybe a year or two later, and that was kind of it, you know. And the band broke up, but they just re-released it for the first time on vinyl, and I got that in the mail a couple weeks ago. So that was kind of fun to listen to, like a throwback of my own. Well, yeah, like, yeah, how do you listen to yourself? Like, I, you know. Well, that that one's not that one. I'm well, like, not not that. But, I mean, like like when you listen to a Rusted Hearts album or fucking like, how do you listen to yourself? Are you sitting there trying to pick it apart, or do you just sit there to enjoy? Uh, you know, it's funny because a lot of times when we record with the Rusted Hearts, especially, a lot of stuff's happening on the fly in the studio. Like we tend to do a lot of our writing, you know, as we go in the studio. So it's funny is that I have to listen to the albums when they're done a lot to learn my own parts. Because okay. it's not like we played the song live for, you know, four months or a year on the road, and then we went and recorded it. It's like we literally wrote it in the studio. I'm just, like, writing guitar parts on the fly. Sometimes it's the first thing I play on this new thing, and I, you know, and then then we just move on. And then I got to, like, all right, you know, we pick stuff out. And I'm like, I got to sit down and learn all my guitar parts. I played them, <laughs> but I didn't – they're not ingrained into my in the muscle memory yet because we haven't been touring on them. So I'll have to listen to the records as a learning experience at first, you know, like once they're done. You know, then I generally don't listen to them at all after that. Yeah. And if they come on, maybe later I'll check it out. Mm. You know, but it was funny because, like, I think one of our first records came on the other day somewhere on a playlist or something, and 
and you start realizing like man we we play this song way too fast now <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, like you know just just like man how this how like how much the songs evolve over time from the original recording and just just little things like that are, are funny to go back on but i don't know i don't hate listening to it i don't purposely not listen to it it's just not a you know, especially when we're out playing on the, playing every night and doing the songs. I mean, I mean, does yeah, does, does, does it help you in that regard? I mean, you know, if you hear it and uh, being able to like, all right, I know what I did but tonight. It, I yeah, know I did before, I, but, but Shane, I love going to see a band where a song just exactly what he says. The song has evolved, and there's now a yeah. live version of it, and it's right. not them not playing you know they're it's just that over time bits have been added to it or it's speedy i love going to see a band where that's the case yeah that's me too i mean it's it's uh it's just interesting when you're involved with it to see how it evolves because you didn't plan on it evolving it's just it just you, you step back you're like oh well, look at that <laughs> it's been like four years since that came out we've played the song a bunch of times and we're like man it's just changed we didn't talk about it changing we never but, you know, you just forget little parts or you write new little things and it's bizarre. You know, it's, it's beautiful. It, 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 that's, that's yeah, it adds a freshness because otherwise you're going to go and see a band and we've all done it where you just basically get a facsimile of the record and it's, you know, it's not perfect. And that's fine, but it's a little dull. I want to go and have an experience when I go to a live show. You know, I want to, to get something a little bit different. And I love when, as you say, you go and see an act, and I don't mean deconstructing the whole song and putting it back together, you know, totally differently. But I think if you can go and see an act where it just, as you say, and I think the key word is evolve, isn't it? It's not yeah. you sit down and say, right, we will radically change this. It's just over time you go, hey, that sounds good. And I, I think the audiences buy into that. Um, I know that you know a lot of bands I've followed for a long time, in the end, the audience know the live version if they've seen you a few yeah. times. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think our band especially, like it's. I think that we definitely are better live than we are in the studio. <laughs> you know, and I, and I don't say that one's bad or one's bad. You know, it's just. <laughs> Like the energy really comes out, and you yeah. know, the studio. I, mean, I, I always like seeing you guys live more than listening to the fucking album. Yeah. So, yeah. It's just you know I don't know like I, that's just that's just a thing. I think there's a lot of bands like that, and uh, oh yeah, yeah. Just, I think it is what it is. Yeah. There's there's nothing like it. There's nothing like being with a band you love and in a small room. Uh, no offense to stadium bands, it's cool. I know why they do it, but there's nothing that beats crowd of you know anything up to a thousand in a room that just about holds them. Sweaty band up on stage, you yeah. in the crowd, everybody having a good time, and right. that's that's the thing I've missed, you know, about lockdown uh, or through lockdown. It's just being able to go and have that. And to, there's some powerful, really powerful about you and a thousand other people who love the same thing singing back the lyrics that someone up on the stage has written because yeah. it means a lot to you. I, you. You can't replicate that. It just, it's powerful. No. You know, and a good light show too. That's what I kind of forgot about. Of course. Shows too. Of course. <laughs> like how much Dry that ice. can affect things though, you know, in a good, in a positive way. Yeah. Just, can, the whole experience, you know, like it just, you don't get that listening to an album necessarily is like all the, you know, just the way the whole live show makes you feel. It's just, yeah. Plus, oh. I always get to stand behind as it turns out a fucking Harlem Globetrotter. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 you're behind someone like me every fucking time. <laughs> every fucking time. It's like the guy sees me and goes, 
stand in front of him. Um, <laughs> it goes without saying. Well, he knows so. that much matter. So. <laughs> I'll just slink away, but I'll, I'll do that very British thing of going, oh, you know, know. Just, yes, but, but, but inside, you know, we, yes, don't, we yes. don't express our emotions in no, this so. country. Give me off, give me off, it's the wrong way. You're the same, you're the game, it's a long way. Give me off, give me off, it's the wrong way. I gotta run, I gotta come and get you someday. Time, time, girl, sell me all around. Chase me through the sound, very great light. Time, time, girl, echo in the dark, echo in the dark away. Like, what what's Spotify done to the industry or or that or that kind of model? What I mean, ruined like, it. yeah, ruined it. <laughs> yes, okay. I mean, how how bad is it? Is it you know we, we, our our regular guy that we do the the normal show with? He's a professional comedian, and like we you know he has albums to sell just like fucking you do and shows yeah. to sell and everything. And like we try to tell people like go order them from him. Don't fucking listen. Right. If you gotta listen to it on Spotify. Put on repeat on every machine in your house for the next like 38 years and yeah. let play, and maybe he'll get eight cents. Well, Sp- yeah. <laughs> Spotify just, I mean, they're a giant, and they've, you know, they're working around the same loophole that all the streaming services are, which is that, you know, music copyright law hasn't been revised since the late 70s, and yeah. there's a loop. The internet didn't exist at that point in time, and so right. they're they're just getting by, not having to pay basically really any royalties to any artists. To stream all their stuff, and at the same time, it's the only way people really listen to music, too. So they kind of give you that, well, it's us or no one's going to find you. Yeah. You know, but then we're, yeah. we're not going to pay you. 
So <laughs> whatever, you know, like it's it, it, it's 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 embarrassing, man. Really, that you know, just that it's come to that. I think that's why you're seeing a lot of artists selling off their publishing and their catalogs now. You know, Dylan did it most recently, and a lot of other people are following suit because the the value of that is really going down because. Oh, that's so you know, sad. You know, I mean, the, the point of having that publishing is because you get paid royalties and you sell stuff. But now no one's making that money off of Spotify, and that's the only place people are listening to Bob Dylan. So you might as well take the money now because in 15, 20 years, what's it really going to be worth? Yeah. You know, mm. I mean, it's obviously an incredible body of work, but what's the, what's the actual monetary value? It's probably worth more of the cash out now. Than, well, I, then do you see something, you know, because like Taylor Swift did that like reverse thing where she basically went right. back and because somebody owned yeah. the, the masters, wasn't it? I mean, yep. she, she owned the music, but they owned the masters. So yeah, she big. said, fuck it, I'll go record them all again yeah. and then tell everybody to buy this shit because this is the only yep. way I make money. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you're fucked either way, it seems right. like. Well, I mean, that for her, she's, like, double fucked, because yeah. like, she's still not going to make the Spotify money. But but she didn't know the Masters anyway. She wasn't making that money anyway. Now it's like she'll make somewhat of a cut. I mean, someone at her level is... Well, yeah, is, I don't think she's begging for it. You know, so. it's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah I think she's doing okay. Uh, yeah. 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 We, don't need to, we don't need to have yeah, a... Yeah, we're, we're, we're not sobbing for... Uh, yeah, yeah we, we, you know, for... Go, feed, go feed Taylor. Taylor. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that we can avoid that. But it's kind of, I, in a way, I'm a hypocrite because I use Spotify. So in a way, I'm a hypocrite. What I do, though, is if I find an album I like, I'll buy a physical copy or I'll buy it. I'll, I'll go to their website or I'll buy a, you know, I'll go and see them okay. or something yeah. that puts money directly into their pocket. Um, but it, it, it is difficult. And also, I think something that it does is it ruins our ability to listen to albums in the way that they're meant to be listened to like you know i think it's probably fair to say we're all big fans of uh, full moon fever yeah and that's an album that couldn't be better because listen to (laughs) every yeah everything about it is perfect that um boston you and i shane talk about this a lot yeah but out of hell that that they couldn't come in a different cover and the track listing is perfect but they are supposed to be listened to as a symphony as you know tracks one to ten or whatever and that's gone now where you just you you get an album but even by band you like you'll listen to it once and then you'll pick the tracks you like and that's it and you never go back they get added to some playlist um and and you mentioned something there that i think is really cool which is vinyl which is it does force you to get up put it on yeah. get up turn it round, and it's the order that it's in and it's something I've tried to do in my music listening to try and discipline myself a little bit because you're absolutely right that we're losing that 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 you know artists sit and they put, they, they think about things like track listing it's that song feeds into that song feeds into that song etc there's a reason behind it and you don't want to or otherwise we're gonna it's going to be just about songs and the album is going to die it's just going to be some of the whole songs. Well, I think you see that in some genres, though, don't you? I mean, there's some genres that have moved past albums already, right? I mean, they're a vehicle to release singles. They're not right. They're not, They're not. not a construct, you know, like David's talking about, that, I mean, I'm sitting and thinking about how well, this Well, yeah, so many people together. now are just releasing singles, because it's like, yeah. who's buying the album, you yeah. know? But, well, and that, yeah, and then you get 10 singles, and then you put out a fucking well, EP. Well, especially during COVID, you know, where it was like, yeah. you know, it's hard. To, you're going to pay to make a whole album, because if you can't go out and tour on it, yeah. Like what What are you gonna do? You're just gonna get mixed in the wash. You know, everyone is releasing every Friday. There's just a mess of new things that are coming out. And that's true. You got about a week to hump like 
<laughs> they'll, like, they'll be like, hey, check me out. I got a thing, you know, because the next week there's going to be a whole other group of things, and you know, and singles. But, you know, the, the it's just nice to get back to touring now is that, art, you know, artists, you know, it can make more sense now to go out and, you know, the best way you can support an artist is by buying vinyl at this point, and, you know, and show tickets. But, but in terms of music, that's, you know, that's good profit margin for them and then if they have it that's the way they intended for you to hear it so yeah yeah but you know it's it's nice you know we our band we still sell a lot of cds it's you know and it's kind of crazy but the cd has become more of just an article like an artifact of the memory of the show you know and then Mm -hmm. like like we sell a lot of cds that i think people just get them people just do it to get it signed and be like hey this is from that night you know, and you get a lot of people that buy vinyl that don't even have record players. They're like, I'm going to go to Target and get that thing and put it on the wall. Yeah, I'm going to go get the Crosley, you know, the, the well, Crosley frame I, and throw it on the fucking I've, wall. Yeah. <laughs> I've, said that to, I've said that to people because I, there's some, yeah, I've got loads of them up as well. I mean, I have a record player, don't get me wrong, but I've said to well, people. I mean, get, an EP cover is a piece of art. I mean, that's. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. That, and it, it's something beautiful and it's something that goes up in the wall and it, it just, it, you know, it looks amazing and you can change it as well. You know, you can't do that with a, with a painting. <laughs> that that but it, you know you can redecorate your house just by changing the records that are in their that are in their sleeves. See, he mentioned Target. We don't have a supermarket that sells record for it. I I'm, I miss Target. I Sorry, man. Yeah, Tar- Target yeah. and the good Aldi's. You're you're all oh, the shop in the world. The, 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 the crazy Aldi aisle down the middle. <laughs> yeah. See, you guys you guys have got terrible gun crime and you keep electing. Well, half wits, but you do have Target, so you know. Yeah, <laughs> gotta give us a little credit. Quite, quite, quite pro quo. Um, and you also have great bands coming out of Minneapolis, which is really why the whole, you know, the, this last year, George Floyd and what Minneapolis is known for, really hurts me because for years I've been banging on about all the great bands it produces and how all my favorite bands come from there. Now people think it's like so just, Central just, LA. Just the replacements is what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, replacements, uh, Husker Du. So, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I, um, one of our shows, uh, Jake, you, you know the name Jason Narducci? He's, uh, yes, he's, I do. Drummer, Sugar. Uh, well, yeah, he's, well, he's Bob, oh, he's Bob, uh, Bob Mould's bass player. That's yeah. Bob Mould band. Yes. Yeah, Sorry. Exactly, yes, yeah. I do. I have a T-shirt, in fact, with his name on it. <laughs> going to see Bob a couple of years he, ago. He came out to one of our shows on this last tour and got to catch up with him. He said he's going out with Bob a bunch, you know, coming up in the fall. And uh, oh, good. So oh, they're getting back to it. And, yeah. So they're a they're a band that that you know tight as fuck, but everything is about two and a half times as fast as it was recorded. Um, <laughs> and when you go and see him, it's just raw power. It's just utterly magic. But now there's some some great stuff coming out. Um, one of the, the things that's going on in my head at the moment is someone from not Shane has educated me, right? You don't live in Chicago. <laughs> it's near enough, but right, he has educated me. Um, Blizz Fair, who's from Chicago. Oh yeah, she, she, she's coming. To new oh, yeah, me too. I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, David's got to say at least four thousand miles away from her at all. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah so funny. I, I, <laughs> I've, so, I've been in love. I've been in love with her since I was fourteen, and she's a, she's going to be the next my next wife. But she just she hasn't she doesn't know it yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, she doesn't know can't hurt her. So. Well, exactly, uh, exactly. Um, yeah, but, I, I, no, I, it's, 
So I'll tie this back together though. Then so she's Chicago, but so the her producer though is from Rockford. Um, oh wow! Yeah, Brad Wood. He oh, produced yeah. Exile and Guyville, yes. and he he did this new one too. And um, so he's a Rockford native, Gilbert High School graduate. I didn't know that. But he's a friend of mine, and we were just—he just texted me the other day and was like, "Hey, you gotta check out this album, you know, and like, <laughs> like check out my new if work, you could, you know, whatever." So like, he's a really if, good if guy, though, could, a great producer. If you could put in a word for me, tell her, you know, I have my own house, I'm perfectly <laughs> yeah. clean, I've been double vaccinated. Um, but she's she's touring the UK, and obviously she doesn't do it very often. Um, the last time actually that she toured was 2018. And I, went, I had to go to Manchester this year, which is about 300 miles from where I live. And I know you guys travel 300 miles all the fucking time for gigs in America, but we, you know, that's a long way for us. Um, but she's touring, but she's touring with, uh, as a support to, oh God, what's her name? Mid-90s. Uh, Alanis Morissette. <laughs> Alanis Morissette, thank yeah, you. Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> yeah. She's still, so, you know, I'm quite happy to go and see somebody as a support but then i looked at the gig ticket right? it's like 150 quid which is what about 250 dollars that's a lot <laughs> just to see yeah. the support act and leave yeah that's true <laughs> yeah i figure she's got to do a headlining tour on that album probably after that Alanis morissette tour i i would hope you know that she would do yeah, her own thing with the new too. album out you know but oh my I, God. I, I mean right now can... though he's kind of gonna take i mean if that's what yeah. you got, that's well, what you I got. Well, I said, you get that offer this summer, yeah. then, you know, you do it. Well, that, that's I, it, yeah. She's got a record well, cycle. Well, like she's coming. Yeah, yeah she, but if she's coming to, to the UK, I need to do it. But then the Shane will tell you, I, I almost spent, I did bid on this, but I, thankfully somebody outbid me. But she had a thing on her website that she would do like a live Zoom just for a person. <laughs> and they were raising money for charity. Uh, and I bid $5,000 for it. And... <laughs> I had to say to my wife, I was like, look, just so you know, right, and she's like, why have you done that? I said, because this will be my chance to meet her. I'll be witty and she'll fall in love with me. I'll make money on this eventually. And Sally said, but but yeah, but you'll need to divorce me. I said, but she's, you know, like rules are rules. I told you about this when we first met, right? You, you did know if there's any chance of me dating Liz Fair that, you know, you're out the fucking it's, it's, window. Oh it's, right. Oh I wouldn't stop her marrying Damon Albarn, so it, so, yeah, it feels fair. fair. But but luckily somebody <laughs> swooped in at the last minute and outbid me with like five thousand two hundred and fifty. Otherwise, I'd have been. But it would have been worth it. I would have just killed myself that night. Just, <laughs> just oh, done. Man. Just done. But no, oh. it's it, it's it, it, it's just so good to get her. Yeah, exactly. I've loved you for twenty five years, woman. Um, but. It's just so great to be even talking about going to see. One of the things I think, though, I don't know if you agree with this or not, Dan, is that I think artists will be able to charge a little more for live shows when they come back because people are so desperate. Oh, the demand's gonna be, yeah, it's gonna be yeah. insane. It, it's already there, man. Like it for shows that I've tried to go see. Because there's already a problem with scalpers, you know, way before the pandemic, you know, just like oh, definitely selling out and then putting it up for. But now it's outrageous. Like I. Oh, the internet's made that fucking yeah. Yeah, now yeah. because of this, it's it's way worse than it's ever been. I think I saw, I saw like a Nashville fish show where there was tickets going for eight thousand dollars on Subway. Wow. There was a couple people buying them. Um, I mean, trust fund Jesus or whatever. Christ. That's like that's the thing now. Like they're just that's not that wasn't the face value obviously, but 
you know, people want to go to these things so bad, and people really want to see Phil Lesh. I don't know. Really, yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, it's people are gonna take advantage of that, you know. And well, I mean, I'm just looking forward to next fucking week. You know, I haven't gotten to see you guys since you've been back yet because you guys haven't played in town. But you know, next week. Oh, that's a deck. Well, that, that's, that's fair, though. That's a but, deck. I mean, next weekend, we've got the Jim Blossoms, Jeff Tweedy, and, and Cheap Trick playing on back-to-back-to-back days. I'm going to all three shows because oh, I don't give a shit. I mean, like, the Jim Blossoms, obviously, they're playing the dead guitarist son uh, who wrote all the good songs. Well, and they then, always have been. They yes, killed well, yeah. before the first album came yeah, out. So, yeah. you know, fair, so you've got that one. And, and then Tweedy's amazing. Uh, I, I really can't say anything else about that. And I haven't seen Trick. I think the last time I saw Trick was in South Carolina in, like, 20-fucking-14 or so. I don't know. It was at a casino. You know, like, one of those sure. fucking shows. Yeah. I don't fucking know. But I was like, yep, I'm getting all three days because I didn't see the fucking con- – the yeah. last show I saw was you guys. And it's right the, here. The last show I saw was you and Bunny down fucking Mary's. Wow. And I uh, think cool. that, was, I mean, that was on, like, the 28th of February yeah. or whatever the fuck it was. It was two weeks before everything went to hell. Ah, uh, cool. I mean, I one, one of the things, actually – back to tom petty again is the i I again huge tom petty fan for 25 years and i've never had the chance to see him um because he, he hadn't played uh he hasn't well he didn't play scotland um in all that time and i, I couldn't really afford to to travel now i can so i went to see him when he played london Hyde park just before he, he he died and i was going to go and see him a friend of ours shane uh, ross in toronto Oh, yeah. um, he said you know, he's, he's playing in Toronto come on over hang out for a couple of days and and go and see him and and I was going to you know I had the money and everything and then I just thought nah I won't you know I'll catch him next time and between that and the pandemic if there's a gig I want to go to I'm fucking oh, I'm going I don't give a shit yeah yeah, yeah. 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 well I told, short, I told you oh, the ex-wife I because <laughs> I've seen I saw Petty when he did the tour with the Crows and Dylan Oh, like, like in like 13 or whatever the hell it was. So like I'd seen him and I'd see him at uh, Summerfest before that too. And um, she that's wondered, the what... laziest name for a festival I've ever fucking heard. <laughs> by the way, it's, it's Milwaukee, man. They, they 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 don't think too hard out there. Yeah. But it was all because it was Summerfest the year right. I mean that was the year before he died. He played it again. Yeah. And the ex-wife wanted to go, wanted to go. Wanted. I was like, no, you know, like because like, we'd already been to, we'd gone to Steve Miller, we'd gone to Paul Simon. We've, we've been to like 12 shows that year. And I was like, I, I don't want to spend another, I, I think, because you had to get the whole week pass. You couldn't yeah. just buy the, the, the his fucking show. So it was like another 450 or whatever the hell it was for the whole goddamn week. I was like, we'll see him next year. We'll get, we'll get it because he'll be in Chicago. We can go see him at the UC or something yeah. like that. Dad. And she blamed me. <laughs> <laughs> well, she she had a point. I mean, I don't yeah. think he killed him. No, but, uh, I think that. <laughs> that was the see, I, I'm ca- yeah, that was the. I'm quite uh, I'm quite fortunate with with my wife. Like a few years ago, the replacements, who my favourite band, I never thought they would get back together. They did. They're playing Milwaukee. Uh, they're playing Minnesota, um, uh, Minneapolis, even, and they're supported by the whole steady. And I was like to Sally, I've got to fucking go to this. Yeah, I love this daddy. Whenever they tour, I'll follow them around. You know, I, I've got to go. So we went, and then she notices on the plane. She goes, "Oh, um, the whole day are playing the next day uh, in Chicago at uh, Riot Fest. Um, this festival. Do you want to go to that?" And I was like, "Well, can oh, we?" And she said, "Yeah, <laughs> hop in a plane and, and hop back." And I, that I was so fortunate, I was able to do that. And then when we were there, uh, one of the really cool, it was a great lineup at the right I got to see bands that I loved that I hadn't ever had the chance to see. Uh, Mudhoney, I'd never seen. Oh. 
I got to see them and um, some various other ones. And she got to see Weezer play the Blue Album, which you know she loves Weezer. So um, yeah, that was that was that that was Ride Fest. Somewhere all the bands doing album shows. Yes, I was there. Oh yeah, it was a, it was a fantastic yeah. We did a blue album, cheap tricked in heaven tonight. Yes. Um. That yeah, was like, the one. Yeah, I was I was there. Oh, it was a, a great show. So we we went yeah. and went for a couple of days, and then we flew back. And um, the the really kind of cool thing about when we were there, you, you'll know this, is that they would um text everybody who was at the festival if you you know submitted your details, saying that there's a secret show afterwards, and it was television were playing this this tiny little bar. Um, so we we were able to go and see television in a pub for like fifteen dollars, and you know I got to meet Patty Smith and stuff. So <laughs> had we decided not to do that, oh yeah, but I mean, I, like meeting Patty Smith was was like the most oh, nerve wracking experience of my life, you know, because I was like, she's just so cool, you know, she's one of these people that even the way they stand is cool, you know. I assume Dylan would be like that, you know. It, it's just you're like holy fuck that's Patty Smith there, um and you you there's something special about it. like you guys will get it when you go and see Cheap Trick or whatever, is that there's something really cool about seeing somebody who's been an idol of yours for years because they walk on stage and you do get that buzz of holy uh, I, I, shit. No, the first time I saw Jimmy Page, I was holy fuck. I mean just well even even like the you know the bullshit reconstruct, uh, reconstructed Queen with with Lambert, but seeing Brian May come out. With a tie your mother down to start the fucking show, and I was just like, my God! I know are you, you hate Queen, but I, I, are you trying up, to hurt me? Are you trying to hurt me? We can skip all this. All right. I was nice about Zeb. I was nice about Zeb. Now you're going on about. See, that's that's the fundamental difference between you and me. You're a musician, and I'm a punk, and that that will never change. You'll always appreciate like fucking 20 minute solos and all that shit i think 20 minutes is the length of a show <laughs> that's, that's 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 a there's an album by a guy called tony molinari i urge you to check out it lasts 12 minutes and they there are 10 songs on it and they had to put a sticker on the front saying by the way before you buy this it lasts 12 minutes um and it, it, it's not like it's not it, it's tunes it's just a minute and a half of just sheer choruses. All right, let, let's do this. We got about 10 minutes left or a few minutes. I don't know, whatever. However long it takes us to get through this. So we're going to do some rapid fire in honor of the other Dan McMahon with a Wikipedia page who was apparently a sharp <laughs> sports shooter in the 1912 Summer Olympics. Wow. <laughs> you know, there's two Dan McMahons on Wikipedia, and that's the other one. So I can't believe that the other Dan McMahon got a Wikipedia page, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I mean, think that would be. Shooter, I, mean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, it's an American with a gun. Does he really deserve a? <laughs> uh, so no, we're, we're, we're gonna let, let's run down some lists here. Now, I, I, I preface this before me and Dan talk. Me and David and Todd talked about this on the show. I, I think it was before the uh, before my incident uh, <laughs> a couple weeks back. Um, Guitar World did a poll. That turned out whole lot of love as the greatest guitar riff of all time, and I think we've all agreed it's not the best riff on that album. It's certainly not Jimmy Page's best riff. So, starting right there, favorite riff. All right, <laughs> this is gonna, you know, I, I thought about this, you know, a bit, and 
this is not this is never going to win the, the anyone's opinion poll other than myself probably <laughs> but one of my favorite guitar riffs um of all time is can't you hear me knocking by the rolling stones oh, yeah. oh, guitar fucking ronnie wood just so cool man nobody sounds like them that's that's what's so great about the stones nobody quite plays guitar that way the way that keith does yeah. and then the way that ronnie kind of spiders in behind it it's uh there, there's something just thrilling oh, so it's just ronnie double stops yeah i mean that that one really popped out to me oh, I love that yeah see that that one wouldn't have jumped out david riff go i've a t- i've a time to think about it right since we spoke about it so um i'm going to go for a, a couple of maybe well, they're not left field bands, but they're left field. Well, first of all, Gimme Shelter, you just brought to mind, which yeah. is just fucking awesome. But that's that weird spacey riff. I mean, yeah. that thing's just yeah, because that's uh, all over. Yeah, it's just incredible. But uh, another one was uh, uh, Honey Bee, Let's Fly to Mars by Grinderman. Um, Nick Cave. It featured, you might know it from True Detective series one, oh, which yeah, is just yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just an awesome bit of work. And uh, didn't, uh, didn't T1 was it T1 Burnett? Didn't you play on that? I think so. I think yeah. So. Anyway. Oh, I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's an absolutely hell of a song. It's just a fantastic your piece of work. Um, and the other one uh, I wanted to to pick out was also called Honey Bee by Tom Petty, oh, which yeah. is you, you guys will know from from Wildflowers. Um, yeah. There's a version online with Dave Grohl drumming on it. I yep. think it might have been. Uh, yeah, it might have been Leno or something, something along those lines. It was Holy it was like shit! Or something like that. Yeah, um, it's it's on YouTube. I urge everybody to go and look this out because he's fucking nailing it, right? And the band are just going all out, and this is a big thundering, sh- juddering fucking Tyrannosaurus Rex of a riff. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I, yeah, that's. See, uh, here's uh, so I'm gonna throw out the shocker because I think everybody expects me to pick a page. At least everybody yeah. listens to the show. But uh, Run and Die a Dream is the second that oh, yeah, fucking yeah. starts. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I mean, that's just so good. God. Let's go. That's why Mike Campbell is one of my favorite guitarists. Mike Campbell, it's so simple, but it's so good. He wrote so, so many good. memorable guitar parts that, yep. you know, I mean, the dude can shred too, but, like, that's not what I care about, Mike Campbell. It's like I can sing all those parts, you know, like all so many iconic things, like, Every Petty song has some guitar part. You can kind of, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you can remember. L- break down, to run it down a dream to Honeybee. Like his whole career, it's yeah. just. Even an one I love is Listen to Her Heart, um, which is yeah. also the first or second album, and it's just it's it's glorious. Oh, I mean, American it, it, kind of, yeah. Uh, right, well, I'm just gonna go listen to Petty for the rest of the day. So. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody. Yeah, somebody <laughs> once described American Girl to me as uh, sounding like every Rickenbacker in the world had all gone home for a party. <laughs> which is just a fucking fantastic description of it. All right, uh, Solo. Oh. Favorite Solo. Oh, my God. A guitar Solo. You got to pick one. one. David, you got to pick one. This is all quick fire. If you're, if you're right, I got to think about that for one second. Right, now. I'll go first then. Um, yeah, my Sharona. Right. I Sharona by the Rack. That is a fucking great song. But the full... Yeah, but the full version, the full 4 minute yes, 55 yes. version. Yeah, the real actual, yes. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know, 
classic for me. I just love it. Is uh, uh, something. Yeah. George Harrison solo on something on Abbey Road. Like that. Yeah. He, he just nailed it. Like he wrote the perfect guitar solo for the song, and I just love it. It's a beautiful solo and a beautiful song, but underrated song. He's an underrated. I think it was Frank Sinatra said that's the greatest love song of the last fifty yeah. years. Right. Well, I mean, he would know. <laughs> that's a great guitar solo, though. I gotta go with um. Actually, House of the Holy has always been my favorite Page solo. It's it's a weird one for him because it's the end of the song. You know, it's it's an afterthought. It's not the it's not the center part that the whole fucking thing is built around. Album. Oh, <laughs> this is worse than so we do a desert island show too where you yeah. gotta pick five, but now you just gotta pick one. <laughs> I mean that 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 is almost that would change week to week. Um, I, I'm, I'm honestly no right now I'm, I'm wallflowers has been. I've been listening since the release. I think that new Wildflowers, like 10 vinyl. <laughs> yeah, wild, yeah, that's uh, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that. Yeah, that one. That yeah. whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's. Uh, wildflowers is definitely a, yep. up there for me. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the, the, ever since it, that release it, came it's out. got everything I need. It can make me cry. It can make me rock and roll. It can make me, you know, it's. I can get stoned to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is not going to do anything for my for my manly points, but um, when I went to see him was like a, a, about a month after my dog had died, and he played Wildflowers, and I yeah. cried like a little boy when he did that because I just thought of my dog, you know, running. Uh, and it was just, it was perfect, but it was like, my pal's going, what's wrong? And I'm like, no, I can't tell you, because I'm going to sound you know, like a total trip <laughs> if I do that. But um, my favourite album... Uh, yeah, I'll take Wildflowers. Yeah. All right, so, all right, all three of us are going there. We're all going Wildflowers. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll take, to be different, I'll take uh, number one record by Big Star. Okay. <laughs> all right. Such a good album. Uh, producer. Oh, yeah, that's a good... Are you a Glenn Johns guy? Are you Jimmy? Like, who's yeah, I, mean, yeah. I like both Glenn and Ethan Johns. Um, but I like I like Daniel Lenoir a lot. You know, yes, like his, excellent. His his work with a number of different people. You know, yeah. you know I've always Where are you at with Jeff Lynn as a producer? Because he gets so much. Because everything sounds the same. It's like yeah, because you hired him to produce the fucking. What the, you you expect Jeff Lynn to make a record yeah. that doesn't sound like a Jeff Lynn record? No, that, that's silly. It's not his thing, and it works, you know. But yeah. it's not to me. I feel like guys like Daniel Lenoir are always pushing the bounds, yeah. and really pushing artists to like get something different out of them, you know. Like, I mean, he produced the only Bob Dylan album that's won a Grammy. Yeah, you know, and like yeah. he's like he's able to like you know wrangle in Bob Dylan in a way no one else ever has, and, and made time. I mean, he did Time Out of Mind and the one before it. Yeah, um, but like yeah, it's <laughs> but I mean Time Out of Mind is another amazing album that I really love. Um, but yeah, I don't know, I I really like Lenoir's work. You know, uh, I I'll go for um a British guy called Steve Lillywhite. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, he produced loads of albums from the 80s I love, um, yeah. including The Crossing by Big Country. He worked with U2 on their early records, and it's a big sound. Um, uh, it's, a lot of those records, the sort of early 80s indie, were, were almost kind of, like, it sounds odd, but they had folky elements to it. You know, they had, like, folk music elements to it, but he made them sound enormous, Um and I, I, I really, so I, I always go back to his work of, you know, just, just as I say, that the drums on those albums just sound like God. 
Yeah. yeah. No, Steve does really great work. Well, that's I yeah, I'll probably stick with Glenn just because between him and Jimmy Page, nobody ever mic'd a drum kit as well as either. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, even I accept that, uh, you know. Yeah. Not, yeah. yeah. Uh, festival. What do you got? What's your favorite festival? <laughs> or do you hate them all like I do? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, I'm not I, they're, 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 fun, they're fun when you're there. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, don't, I mean, yeah. It's, <laughs> but I, it's tough because I kind of see it from both sides. Like, like, like sometimes a festival goer, sometimes a festival performer, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, we play we play this festival down in Mexico every year called Circus Mexicus, and it is just <laughs> the time time of my life. <laughs> I mean, it is like great fans, great tacos, food. You're on the beach, it's packed. It's like everything. What do you need? They take care of everything. It's, it's, like, it's such a good time. We're going there that in October. That sounds fucking awesome. That sounds like, like the best time ever. They, they, they've, they've scheduled some time off in Women and we're going to Mexico. Nuts, man. And like, yeah, it's, it's, so we're, yeah, we'll be there in October. Um, but yeah, it's, that's a great festival. But See, I just, I, like, every, everyone I've ever been to is like, yeah, you get the tickets because everybody else is buying them. And then, like, then you start dreading it in the bill because you're like, fuck, God, I gotta go spend three days at this fucking yeah. bit. Like, I remember the first time, because I, I I did all the pr- promotion work for AC Entertainment. So, you know, like, I get tickets for all the shows and everything. But the first year that they wanted me to go to Bonnaroo and, like, gave me their special passes. So I go to their tent. Yeah. I, had, I had, like, special parking that I could pull into instead of waiting in the line all the way back to fucking Manchester out by yeah. I-24. You have you the know. ideal setup. Yeah, and it, I, still hate it. Like I still hate it. I hated every. Like, I, I would just pick out – I think that was the year uh, – well, Petty played that year. I think. Uh, well, I think I was Petty Dylan, uh, Wilco were there for the first time. I think that year, and it was just like, all right, that's all what I wanted to see. I'm going home. Like, are you going back to Knoxville? Yeah. No, nah, I'm fucking done. It's 120 degrees. I'm in the middle of a fucking valley. Right. People are like, it's just piss reeking shit all over the fucking place. There's people dying in their tents because they're so, so, so fucked up. That's, yeah, that's not <laughs> good. No, this yeah. is not fun. <laughs> no. Yeah, that, that's, that's not so good. Many, so many festivals in the U.S. It seems like now are just all pivoting towards EDM too. Like, no, that's uh, everything. It's just less live like, yeah. bands. Yeah. I remember Lollapalooza seeing McCartney there like a handful of years back. Yeah. And, and now it's like fucking marshmallow or whatever. That's well, like. that's it was funny. Like. So like, <laughs> yeah, McCartney gets out and like he does the set. It's fine. It's like he's rocking it. And then he's gonna do the strip down thing and he's and he gets he can play Blackbird by himself and it's amazing, you know. And like except for like for that first time it was quiet. He wasn't like the real rock band going. And he's like trying to start Blackbird, but all you could hear was the neighboring EDM stage. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Paul, comment. Paul, Paul's like. What is that? You know, like, it's a, he's like well, that's not going to go away. Then he's like, well, if you can't beat him, join him. So he played black <laughs> to the tempo of the EDM beat, like, which was amazing. Like, the dude's a total pro, obviously. He just, you know, he's all right. So he just did black, Blackbird at like 210. Blackbird. You know, it's hilarious. Oh, my God. But, I mean, that's it. You know, like, EDM is trumping a beetle. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, that, that should that should not be the case. No, I, I, I saw Paul McCartney play. It was a stadium gig, but he was amazing. I mean, I think he's like, still might be the best live act in the world. Um, and he did Blackburn, and it was just perfect because it was a summer's night. You know, it was that way when the sun was just lowering a little bit. It was warm, 
and he he just on stage himself played ball. And the thing that amazed me is I realised when he finished that everyone had been kind of holding their breath and you know leaned forward. He just one guy on stage with an acoustic guitar had sucked in fifty thousand people yeah. to just you know to, to to just focus on the music he was playing. It was like he cast a kind of four minute spell on people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> He's a pro. I mean, he's been doing. Oh yeah, he's sixties. Yeah, fifties. <laughs> you know, they they did it. Yeah. They did it before. No, he's he's. Um, but even so, I mean, he, to be fair, he does have some decent songs to choose from. Yeah, no, he's he's, he's got a little bit of a background. What one of two? One of two. He's got wings. They're only the band the Beatles could have been. I mean, Jesus Christ. That's true. But... If they worked a bit harder, um, they, they could have been. But um, technically, I was at a Wings gig before I was born because uh, my mum went when she was. My mum and dad went to see Wings when my mum was eight months pregnant with me. Was, so technically, uh, I saw Wings. I was at a Jewish priest show. So technically, yeah, I'm, I'm claiming these. What was your first gig? I saw Wings in '76. Weren't you born in '77? Yes, but uh, yep. no. I, um, but no, it, 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 we've seen him a few times the, the last ten years, and every single time, he's just remarkable. And he plays for like three and a half hours. No, I, I mean, well, you know, it's crazy to me because you see so many of the newer bands. Like Springsteen still plays four fucking hours. Yeah, he doesn't stop. Like he, he doesn't fucking stop. It's like I don't even want to go to that. You know, it's no, incredible. You, it's completely you incredible. Get, like, do you get time for the end? I think I think your optimum gig is like ninety minutes. Ninety to two. Yeah, that ninety ninety and a fifteen minute encore. I'm yeah. I'm with that. Yeah, I'm good. Favorite room, Dan. Let's finish it up there. Favorite room to play. Let's Ooh. go with that. Since you're the one that actually gets to do this for a little Yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'll give you... I, you know, I was giving my, my, so many... I was thinking about it the other day because it popped up in my feed, but I did a tour... Um, I did a tour uh, with a band on guitar that was on, on opening for the Counting Crows, and on that tour we got to play... We did the Greek theater in Berkeley and then oh, the Greek yeah. theater in LA back to back nights. Jesus Christ. And like those those are like the Greek theater in Berkeley is one of the coolest. It's like so historic and sweet and like yeah. like Parthenon type things and it, that was just that was amazing stage. That's very cool. Um you know, that, that one really pops out, but yeah, there's so many good rooms across this country and shit. Across Europe, everywhere. I mean, I don't know, man. Like any room with people that care is a great yes. room. Yes. Yeah. That's that works for me. All right, uh, Dan. Again, you can find these uh, Miles Neal and the Rusted Hearts is his regular band. And uh, if you're here in Rockford, you can go see him with Bunny Carlos in a little bit. Yeah, what did you say? In a few more weeks. Last Monday in July, I think. Jesus Christ, I can't wait. That's gonna be fucking great. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, go go look up. I don't know what, what the hell's the website. Tell them where to yeah, find I mean, out. Tell them what to do. Just yeah, I mean, you can go to milesnielsen.com. That's who I'm mostly on the road with the rest of the year and and going forward but yeah check that you can check that out google me other things will pop up i got some i got some solo releases out under my name on Bandcamp and not 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 to confuse with the olympic sharpshooter from 1912 yeah, no. no yes <laughs> if, if you find that one you found the wrong damn mcmahon yeah i'm a sharp, <laughs> I'm a sharp bumper pull shooter <laughs> good enough for me yeah <laughs> All right, so that, that'll wrap that one. David, thank you. Always good. Pleasure I, to talk to you, David. 
Yeah, it's, it's been really cool to to listen and to to get to hear some of the uh, some of those stories. All I will say is uh, that Monday gig, Shane records with me on a Tuesday, so <laughs> kick his ass up the road before yeah. he. Before well, he starts, I mean, you know. Come on, but but Bunny starts at like six thirty. Oh yeah, like, the, but, the show's but, done by nine. Yeah, I mean. Bun's gonna go home, uh, man. He's uh, got soul and fucking exactly. yeah, that's it. Hey, uh, hey, real quick, you know whether or not it's part of the the, the podcast, but you know, uh, I just can say I just got ticket to see. Um, you ever heard of the, you heard of the tour that Tommy Simpson's doing, like the Cowboys and the yes! Campfire? Yeah, yes! I got a ticket. Chicago, oh, one of those. Yeah. July. Oh, Jesus. So I'm pretty pumped about it. go check that all out. So yeah, it's kind of weird because like not only are you back out doing that, but you can go to shows again. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, that's, so, I mean, I mean, I'm pumped. Like I get to go just watch and yeah. do it and having to sneak a ticket for that one in. So. <laughs> no, that'll be that'll be superb. Fucking rocking. Yeah. All right, we'll wrap it. Dan, awesome. All right, thank, thank you, guys. you, David. Love you. Thanks I'll talk again. to you on Tuesday. And uh, yeah, thanks for checking out this special edition of Crowfile. Like I said, we'll be back Tuesday for the regular show. And uh, that's it. Bye. Why could I not talk to you? I could tell strangers the truth. And why will you not sing along? Radio plays your favorite song. Go tell your mother.
That was a Heart and Hand production. <laughs>